Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us, I think, from somewhere along the Gulf Coast in Florida, keeping warm, is Nate Zelinsky. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing well. I saw the temperature on the news last night that Gunnison was going to be six below. So, But that's good because it's solidifying that ice up there on Blue Mesa. I'll tell you, we are sitting on 13 inches of some of the hardest ice. You should hear the expansion going through. Uh, it, it, it's awesome. We got great ice. We have amazing fishing, Terry. I think right now we're at like 180-something fish weighed in, and we're just barely two hours into the event. So fishing's good. The ice is good. Enthusiasm's high. Uh, it, it's an exciting place to be right here at Blue Master Reservoir in Gunnison. I'll tell you what, people who aren't understanding or used to being on the ice, when those expansion cracks go ripping through the ice and it sounds like thunder, how many of them about lay down and have a heart attack? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, I don't know what it is. I think it's just the fact we built so much ice so fast, but some of them are moving. So it's not just noise. I mean, some of them are shaking like an earthquake. So, uh, I mean, if you're familiar with ice, you're excited about it because you know it's a good thing. But, yeah, like you said, if you're new to ice, holy cow, it's uh, – it's quite a moment of fear, but but we're excited. You know, it's crazy. We're seeing a lot of species, more species at this reservoir than we've ever seen. You know, very much typically uh, a solid lake trout fishery usually at this tournament, but we are very equal parts weighing browns, rainbows, and lakers. And actually, browns is our number one species brought in so far. So a lot of big browns, a lot of rainbows, lakers, uh, a lot of great fishing so far. Hey, I saw a picture on social media that you guys went out and caught a pretty nice fish pre-fishing. <laughs> we did. We had to drop a line. The guys wanted to try it out. And uh, we got a, a 41-inch laker that was extremely fat. Fish came in right around that 40-pound mark. So uh, there are some tanks. We kicked that fish loose. And uh, I tell you, it would be so exciting if we could see a fish of that caliber come in on the tournament today. So uh, no giants yet. I think our first place right now is sitting about three and a half pounds. Um, but literally, we saw it firsthand Thursday right here. We saw some giants. So there are some big fish cruising around. We're just waiting for the right one to come in well remember the state record lake trout comes out of that lake and it was 50 pounds plus and when the weather is this cold and the ice is formed a big lake trout can be at any depth because they're not always just deep they'll go where there's other where there's meals and those rainbows and browns you're catching could be dinner for one of those big lakers and somebody might somebody who's fishing with like six pound test and a little jig might be in for a tussle <laughs> you know i'm glad you said that though because we're sitting out here, and we have got a, a slew of anglers on the ice. We're excited. But if you talk to anglers, well, we say this all the time, Terry. I would say 90% of these anglers are fishing on the bottom. We talked about it last week. And it's crazy how many fish we're seeing suspended. When we were free fishing, I mean, even in 70, 80 feet of water, these fish were 8, 10, 15 feet below the ice. So it's pretty crazy how many fish are cruising suspended. And the anglers that are, are willing to notice them on the graph and or really swim those jigs all over the water column to find them. It's crazy that the quality of fish and more so just the number of fish that are cruising, you know, suspended or just below the ice. Um, so whether you're in a tournament like this or a situation of just fun fishing, um, you know, 
so many anglers miss those suspended fish. And it's crazy how some of those bigger lake trout, that's where they're at. They're hunters. I mean, they are cruising. They are hunting, especially in a fishery like this with a lot of kokanee salmon. And we see a lot of those suspended fish just below the ice, you know, hunting down their prey. Well, you know, that's a good point, too, is the fish that are just below the ice, you're not going to see them from very far away on typical electronics. Now, if you have some of the the new electronics with all the side views and front views, you may pick a few up, but it's difficult. Now, if you almost, you want to be watching your electronics, you want to look for them in the cone. As you get a little deeper, you're going to pick them up, but you also just sometimes want to fish uh, an active presentation right below the ice. Absolutely, Terry. And I, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that you nailed on the head is everybody relies on their electronics, you know, much like myself. But, you know, your cone angler, say, of 12 degrees, when you're 12 degrees and you're in 8, 10 feet of water, you're looking at a two-foot circle. You will not see those fish until they are right up on your presentation. So it's a major key to, to think about, you know, just fishing it. Have confidence. We, we get so hung up on our electronics, which they are amazing, but in this situation, it's worth just reeling up and down and fishing the whole column, even if you don't see fish, knowing that that column is so narrow on your view that those fish will just appear uh, and chase that bait down. And again, I mean, I, we saw fish three, four feet below the ice. So, so many anglers just, just aren't confident there, but build some confidence because there's some big fish cruising below the ice for sure. What type and variety of presentations are you using and you see being used in the tournament? Now, obviously, you had that big lake trout. You might have approached that with something different, but just tell me of the variety of presentations you're using. Yeah, we, we see everything going on right now. We see guys, you know, still fishing with bobbers and, you know, just, you know, spring bobbers and all that, various dead stick techniques, as well as a lot of anglers that are actively working jigs. So we've seen both all are catching fish. I would say that the biggest thing is you have those anglers that are just trying to catch a fish, more targeting rainbows, browns, and young lake trout. And then you have anglers that are straight up going for gold. You know, they're fishing six to 10 inch tubes and they're looking for one bite today. And it's from one of those larger Lakers. Um, and there is a handful. We probably have, you know, 20%, 30% of the anglers out there looking for that giant. So, so we're definitely seeing a lot of that today. And it, so far we have, again, haven't seen any giant Lakers, but I mean, it just takes one bite to totally change that. So we'll see how that goes. Now, the one thing that I will say, and we say this at every ice addiction, it's more so just a tournament type feel in our style tournament where everybody's fishing the same waters, you know, I would say majority of the anglers out here will have at least one opportunity. We've had anglers so far today, you know, catch 10, 15 fish, but most anglers will get at least one bite minimum. Now, the biggest thing is the anglers that capitalize. And we talk about this a lot, Terry, but you know, whether it's fun fishing or in a tournament, if you can capitalize on the majority of your bites, you will be so far along at the end of the day or end of the season. And it's crazy to watch anglers that are, you know, talking to their buddies and having a good time, which we want to see. And then all of a sudden you see them diving for the rod or missed hook sets. And it's pretty crazy to, to think about how many opportunities we miss as anglers. Now, when you miss it and it's just you and I out fun fishing, it's not a big deal. You know, you, you, you don't sweat yeah, it. Yeah, it is because I want to beat you. Yeah, it is because I want to beat you. <laughs> but but you missed one with $7,500 on the line, and that's a whole new element. So it's pretty crazy to, to, to watch how many fish get missed at the end of the day. Um, and just to think about it, you know, was that the one? You know, one of the things I want to I expand on that, too, is that I see so many ice anglers, 
it is a social event. We love that. Any outdoor event, ice fishing probably lends itself to social activity better than any other activity. But I'll see people set up a bobber rod or something, and then they'll walk around. Or they'll put yeah. their jig in a rod holder, and they'll walk around and talk to people. They're not actively making a presentation. And then I'm too type A hyper, I, I can have a dead stick or a still rod or a subtle presentation, but I almost always need a presentation where I'm fishing it. You know what I mean? Where I'm trying to draw fish in or trying to solicit yep. a bite or trying to, and watching electronics and the mood of the fish. If you do all that, it's such an intense proposition that you don't have time to visit a lot. A lot of times I pull the top over my fish strap and I just, I just sit there and I'm glued to the electronics and I'm, I'm feeling every little tug. And that's the experience that hooks people on ice fishing. I agree 100%. It does. It keeps you focused more almost than anything. It keeps you on your game. But even if you are to the point where you're, you're fishing that dead stick or that still presentation, I would encourage anglers, don't let that turn you into a lazy angler. If you are dead sticking or bobber fishing, still sit there as if a bite's going to happen at any second. Have that hand near that rod. Be ready at all times because, again, you know, that still presentation has just as much opportunity to catch a fish as your active jig presentation. The biggest thing is more fish are missed on the dead stick is exactly that. People are retying stuff up and looking around and, and, you know, just not as focused when they are holding that rod. So we encourage everybody, you know, treat a, a still presentation or dead stick just as if you're you're working that presentation. That's what we see a lot of here at Ice Addiction is, you know, people would jig for a little while, then they put on a bobber, and they're exactly, they're walking around and look up and the bobber's gone. Um, so, yeah. so focus on those dead sticks as if it's a, a still present, or as if it's an active presentation, and be ready to make the most of those bites. Because again, every bite, whether it's a trophy of a lifetime, or in this situation, a fish worth $7,500, uh, they're all important, but making the most of them is everything. Well, we know Blue Mesa apparently is fishing phenomenally, both for big fish and for numbers. What else have you heard that's going on if people are looking for? It's going to be nice out. It's going to be a great time to fish in the mountains here the next few days. What do you think? You know, Terry, we, we are still seeing a lot of anglers getting out on the front range ice, much like last week. I was hoping it was going to be beyond cold, uh, you know, locking things up, and we're pretty similar as we were last week, just to use a lot of caution. Anglers are getting out on Chatfield. Anglers are getting out on Cherry Creek. But as always, we're seeing ice conditions vary from, you know, three to five inches, three to six inches. So caution is absolutely the word when you're on the front range. The walleye bite is going good. Some big trout are going good on the front range. But but as always, you have to use a lot of caution. And in this week, we, we really are still seeing a lot of the South Park fisheries still doing well. Um, a lot of times, by we start getting into mid-January, even though to us it feels like early ice, to the mountain fisheries, we're starting to approach that mid-winter where a lot of times we see you know the Anteros, the 11 miles, starting to fade just a little bit. And so far, Antero is still fishing very well. Um, 11 miles fishing very well. On both those fisheries, the key concepts is being near those weed lines. You have to be on those those structure points. So, so many anglers just walk out, pop a hole, start fishing. Those anglers are not having the success. But if you spend some time with your electronics, find those weed lines, set up just on the side of those weed lines, that's the tricks right now to catching a lot of fish. So spend a little bit more energy finding the right spot, and then you'll get rewarded uh, with the overall results at the end of the day. So instead of hoping the fish are going to come a long ways to you, try to draw them in with jigging techniques, get right on those weed lines. The fish will naturally swim to you, and, and that's the true way to catch a lot of fish in South Park right now on, on the bike that we're on. 
You know, I think you just brought up a point that we don't, sometimes we gloss over too much. Um, and that's drawing trout in. You okay there, Nate? Yep, I'm good. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. Trout tend to cruise a lot. And, you know, we see a lot of, you know, I have a lot of the premier ice fishermen, including yourself, on the show all the time. And a lot are from the Midwest. They do a lot of crappie and bluegill fishing. And the crappies and bluegills tend not to cruise. They can cruise, or they, but they tend to find a spot. And when they move from that spot, you tend to move, try to find them again, or try to find another spot if they're not biting. A lot of times with trout, if you've had fish in that hole, because they're cruising in patterns, if you can do a little bit to draw them in, you might be better off to continue fishing where you are than trying to go out and locate the fish. Trout can present a whole different opportunity. I agree 100%. And that's where those weed lines are everything. If you get on that right weed line, those fish will replenish themselves all day long. And they're there to feed. They're there to actively go. So you can sit on those weed lines like that, and they will constantly come through from first light to last light. Um, and that's one of the biggest things is understanding where you're at. If you know, hey, I'm in a random spot, I don't think it's you know productive, then it's time to move. But if you know you're on a weed line, you know you're on the right spot, that's where you can set up a, a a larger camp, you know, if you will, and wait for those fish. But again, spot and spot on spot structure is absolutely key. I can tell you real quick an example. I filmed some television shows at Dowdy just to show basic electronics and mapping and things. <clears throat> Went out there one time with Karen pre-fishing and we were just going along a flat looking for the fish. And I found an area where that if I, if I worked a jigging spoon very aggressively in one hole, she would catch numbers of trout in a subtle presentation in the hole next to me. If I quit working it, those fish would go away, and we could we had to draw them in. But another time, when I was filming, I had found a rock, an open water, marked it on GPS, a good-sized boulder, went over and drilled a hole right alongside the edge of that boulder because I knew where it was, never had to have an active presentation, never had to move because the fish would keep gathering on that boulder. Absolutely. And, and again, those are the small, subtle things that I think everybody thinks about for walleye and bass, but trout to the winter are, are very similar. I mean, those key structure points, especially in an area where you, the, the less structure you have, those key structure points are absolutely everything and huge. And those fish will come through. Same thing as if you have that, that type presentation where the days when they want that movement, it's crazy how far fish will come into an area if that draw is there, if it's the right noise if they can see in the right conditions how powerful those little things are. Nate, we are running out of time. How do people find you and any other events you want to tell us about real quick? Absolutely. You know, we're just excited. We're in the heart of ice addiction. We have all of our guided trips going on, and we're just, generally speaking, just fishing a lot. So you can always go to our Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors. You'll see recaps of all the ice events, a lot of knowledge and education there, uh, as well as our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. We are in Utah next week at ice addiction. Uh, Then we have a week off, and we're back in Utah, then back in Colorado. So we're kind of all across the country doing our ice addiction tournaments, but we're guiding daily on the front range as well as in South Park. So just a lot of stuff going on. And the biggest thing, just follow us at Tightline Outdoors on Facebook and on the web, uh, and we'll get you updated and get you on the ice. All right, my friend. Good luck on everything. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, sir.
You bet. Nate Solinsky, Tightline Outdoors, always great information. Speaking of great information, we're going to take a time out, and then Holden from Jack's is going to come on and tell you about how inexpensively you can get into ice fishing and what kind of gear they do have available. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And speaking of Jack's, joining us from the Jackson Fort Collins is Holden Miluski. Good morning, Holden. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing? Doing well. I know you were on, so you probably heard Nate and I talking. There are getting to be more and more opportunities becoming available. The mountains, we had Lake John earlier. Uh, There's snow in the mountains. Some of them have slush, but most of the mountain lakes are accessible and fishing pretty well. And even the front range has some opportunities, but you have to be extremely careful. I know we're going to talk about some of the places you like to fish, but let's let's get some of these people started ice fishing. Uh, If people want to get out there and they're going to come in, let's start right from the basics. If I want to come in and I've never ice fished before, do I have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to get set up? No, Terry, not at all. And, and that's a you know very common misconception when it when it comes to ice fishing. Um, really, to get started, you can get started for less than a hundred bucks, and you're out there on the ice getting ready to catch fish. Um, you know the main things you're going to need starting off immediately is going to be an ice rod. Here at Jacks, we've had combos starting at thirteen dollars. You get a rod and a reel, you're set to go. Just a little bit of line, and you're ready to catch fish. Yeah, and, you know, ice rods, like other rods, can run up to $200 or more, and they can get pricey, but it's kind of like we always talk about in fly fishing. Sometimes that $800 fly rod is almost a disservice to the beginner because it's not as forgiving or as easy to handle, and you can actually get some pretty good ice rods nowadays. Uh, maybe, uh, and I don't, I haven't held those $13 ones, but the, the less expensive combos have really gotten better, haven't they? They really have. We're seeing great performance out of them. Um, you know, especially when it comes to, if you compare them to a $200 rod for a novice fisherman, you may not even be able to tell them the necessary differences between them. So getting started with, you know, a little bit cheaper rods necessarily can always be a great way to go. I, I couldn't agree. By the way, how is your stock of, we're going to talk about different things, but overall, ice fishing gear, especially rods and reels, last year was kind of tough. How are you guys doing? Last year was tough. This year, we're doing a lot better. We um, have a lot more combos and a lot regular rods ready to go. Um, anything from real light ultra noodle rods to extra heavy rods for big lakers. So it's good that that's catching up, and Jack's, uh, all the stores probably are well supplied. Now, we talked about getting started ice fishing, and eventually we could talk with, maybe talk about electronics and shelters and all the things that I use. But really, if you have a rod and reel, all you need then is a way to make a hole and a few, a handful of lures. What about making a hole? Augers, spud bars, those kind of things. What have you got? You bet. So we do have some of the new fancy electric ions in, and they're starting, you know, right around that $480. So it is pretty pricey. However, if you have a couple feet of ice, it can be really handy. Now, along the front range, like I heard you and Nate talking about earlier, we're seeing a lot of that three to six inch ice around the front range currently. And with that, really all you would need is a hand auger or even a spud bar to get going. And both those will cost you less than a hundred dollars. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of times you can go out ice fishing, and if there's been activity on the lake, you can even find, if you've got a rod reel and some lures, you can find an abandoned hole to go fish. I'm going to get back to the, the augers in just a minute here, but if I come in and I get a a hand, I get a rod and reel, maybe two, spend a little money, how much do I have to spend to get a nice selection of lures and presentations? Not very much at all. You know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, small jigs coming into play early season like this as well. You can get a handful of jigs for five bucks and you're out the door. Um, whether it's rat finkies or even if you wanted some buckshot spoons, you know, they're going for three, four dollars a piece. So you're really not breaking the bank to get out there and get on some good quality ice and hopefully good quality fish. Do you have some favorite presentations or do you see ones that people really seem to really like that they buy a lot of? Absolutely. So we get a lot of the fishermen that head up to Red Feather looking for trout and, and things of that nature. So we sell a lot of little rat finkies are going to be one of our number one sellers, especially with the white bodies. I know they do really well up at John as well. So that would be one of the top tier uh, jigs that we see sold here, Jack. Now, I've got some presentations. Some, what about bait? You have live bait too? A lot of ice fishermen won't venture out without live bait. You bet, Terry. We carry everything from mealworms, waxworms, and if you wanted even better live bait, as of minnows, we have fatheads, large shiners, medium shiners, and even up to big suckers if you wanted to go after some toothy pike or anything of that. So you really can outfit everybody. Let's get back to the augers. I got rid of my gas power auger, and I, right now I'm using just a hand auger, and I haven't been out as much this year. But my next purchase of a power auger will be the electrics. They really have come on, especially the Ion is one of the major brands, haven't they? Absolutely, they really have. And the Ion's, their battery life is phenomenal. You can get well over 100 holes on each battery, which will last you the whole day, really. Um, and we really seem come into play when we have real thick ice, or if you like fishing, you know, Chambers, Granby, where you have the potential of getting a couple feet of ice, it can really save your arms a lot of work. Oh, yeah, when you get that thicker ice, because if it's too hard to make a hole, you won't move either. Now, I always balance between if I'm on the thinner ice, my hand auger is lighter, so it's easier to carry. But if I'm going to have a lot of ice, I want to make holes, then I want some form of a power auger. So take us to, again, the price of just basic hand augers and electric augers. What are we looking at? Yeah, so for hand augers, we offer 6-inch and 8-inch, and they're going starting right at about $55 um, for a hand auger. And that's plenty cheap to get you out and going on the ice. Now, if you wanted to kind of step it up a little bit and you want an in-between somewhere between that ion being almost $500 and the hand auger, you're looking at a pistol bit, which will connect automatically to any drill that you have laying at home, um, as long as it's got about 700 feet-pounds of torque. And... You can get them in 6-inch, 8-inch. They're super, super light. They're usually less than about 5 pounds, and they're starting right at about $200. So you have a great mid-range option as well. And, you know, I've used some of those, and they really do work well. Uh, You want to make sure you have a quality drill to hook them to, but I'll tell you what, they drill lots of holes, and they are easy to get around, and they work just phenomenally. And then we mentioned something that I want to go back to that I think is so important, especially with the on and off ice we've had this year, and that's a spud bar. And for people who don't know what a spud bar is, it's a long-handled ice chisel. And if you want to see me using one, I have a YouTube video on my channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, where I go to North Michigan. Now, North Michigan is closed this winter. They're doing dam work, 
but I take a spud bar out and I tell you it's early ice, what I look for visually in the ice, and then I show you how I use the spud bar to check to safely move around the ice. And it's really on the front range, uh, Holden, I don't think I'd go out without a spud bar right now. Absolutely. That's one of those crucial items for safety as well as um, opening up other holes that you might find out there. Um, typically, they say with a 15 to 20-pound spud bar, you're looking to an inch, inch and a half per hit on the ice. So it kind of gives you a good frame of reference on where safe ice is and where it's not, making sure you're always hitting in front of you. Um, and like you said, if you find some 3 to 4-inch ice and you find some old holes, you can pop them open with a spud bar faster than even a hand auger. Yeah, you don't even, in the early ice or in the thinner ice, you don't even need an auger. Just take a spud bar. And while we're on ice safety, um, I know there's a lot of things you recommend in that. Uh, one is wearing some kind of a flotation device. Absolutely. So you could wear the same life vest you wear out on your boat if you're inclined to, but they also come out with some great technology lately, um, especially Eskimo gear. They create full suits that keep you completely warm, whether it's bibs or a coat, and they're called the Uplift Series. So it actually holds pocket of air in these suits. So in case you did go into the water, you're going to float. You're not going to sink with all that heavy gear on. It's going to keep you up above that water, which is awesome. Oh, it really is. You know, ice fishing, we, don't, we always say there's no such thing as safe ice, but ice fishing can be an incredibly safe sport if you use common sense. And we actually... Uh, we have some people go through every year, but we very seldom have any tragedies. Uh, and that's, you know, and I'm sure you have things like ice picks and rope and all the other things that can keep you safe. You know, just stop by, Jacks, and these guys will help you get fitted without spending a lot of money and keep you safe. And the last thing, we don't have time to get into them, but what if I really want to get into this and I want to shelter and electronics? Can Jacks help me out? You bet. We can help you out with Anything you really need, whether it's shelter, electronics, a pole, bait, just getting started, or if you just want to know where the hot bite is, feel free to give us a call or stop in at any time. And the last part, if you were going ice fishing next couple days, where do you think you'd go? I'd probably be going up to Red Feather this time of year. We're hearing the bite up on Dowdy and West Lake has been really good early mornings into the mid-afternoon. So I think that's where I'd be looking for a good time right now on the ice. All right. Holden, thank you so much for joining us. Great information. Absolutely, Terry. Have a good rest of your day. You bet. That was Holden Nolinski from Jack's Outdoor Gear here in Fort Collins. But any other stores can help you. We're going to take a time out, and we come back. Chad Lachance is going to join us from the Colorado Boat Show. We're going to talk about what's going on there and what some of the things you should consider when buying a boat on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. From our heated moments, there grew a tender love. For all that she has given me, thank the stars above. From our heated moments, there grew a tender love. For all that she has given me, I thank the stars above. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors. That bumper music was a cut from the newly released album by Wickstrom and Dobrith. I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, let's go to the phones and joining us, one of our favorite contributors, and I believe he's joining us from the Denver Boat Show, Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Yeah, good morning from the Colorado Convention Center. We are here at the Denver Boat Show. 
Yeah, it's uh, we didn't really have a boat show last year because of COVID, and uh, people are anxious to get out. I guess, first of all, what's going on at the show, and is there people showing up, and is there boats to see? Well, the, the big thing is, yes, there's a lot of boats here. Uh, I was actually a little bit surprised, Terry. There's uh, a full complement of boats. In fact, I don't think there's any less boats than there's been in any other year. Um, yeah, I'm sitting here looking at a whole fleet of new Rangers and new Luns with, uh, with Crowley Marine and their Crowley boats, and they've got all the pontoons. All, everything's in stock, no problem. Ski boats, uh, you know, I haven't got to walk the whole show. We've only been here for a half an hour, but, uh, but it's definitely busy. There was a line of people getting ready to come in. And, uh, and talking to, uh, to Brent and Dave Crowley, uh, they had a busy day yesterday. And so, yeah, boat, boat business appears to be hopping. Well, let's talk a little bit. You know, last year and the last couple of years with COVID, a lot of people turned to outdoor activities, whether it was boating, fishing, hiking, hunting, camping, shooting, uh, or just getting out on a bike and riding a trail because they, we didn't have sport, youth sports. We didn't have professional sports. You couldn't go to a movie. You couldn't go out for dinner. People were canceling trips. Now we're starting to see some of that other stuff come back and people are enjoying it. But I think we developed a new class of people who want to keep enjoying the outdoors. So are you seeing, do you think a lot of people who might be looking at their first boat or the first upgrade boat out there at the show? The first, the first upgrade, you hit that one on the head. What, uh, what everyone's finding out, uh, or, or at least the first half dozen people I've talked to today uh, here is that that boat they bought last year and they maybe saved a little bit of dough on it or they didn't get exactly what they wanted because availability. Uh, now they said, oh, okay, now I, I had a good time with that. I enjoyed going to the lake, but I need something different. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we discussed the fact we want to talk a little bit about tips. The first thing I think that that's really, really important is to discuss with some knowledgeable people, pick a dealer that fits your need style and discuss with them at length what you want to use the boat for. Because uh, what, what I'm seeing is the upgrade thing is they didn't buy the right boat or didn't buy a boat that's got enough power. So really important that if you're going to buy a boat or you're going to upgrade your boat, uh, that you... You get what you want exactly for your needs, and that's not something that's intuitive. You know, guys like you or me that have bought lots of boats, we can tweak them over the years until we get exactly what we want, but most guys are going to buy one or two or three maybe in their whole life. And therefore, tap into the knowledge of the people at the dealership or pro staff guys like myself or fishing guides or ski clubs or whatever it is that, that is your desire for the boat and make sure that you pick the features and things on the boat that you need and the style of boat that you need. And one tip that already has reared its ugly head today, and I know it's a pet PB yours as well, is underpowered. If the boat's rated for whatever it's rated for, you really need to put that much motor on it because here in Colorado, we have high elevation. Most of our lakes are somewhere between four and 7,000 feet in elevation. And you have a you have atmospheric pressure loss and therefore horsepower loss. So you might have a motor that that's rated for 150, but here in Colorado it's probably only making 125. And therefore, you definitely want to get the biggest gas motor that the boat is rated for. And I feel the same way about the trolling motor as an angler. If you're going to get an electric motor, get the biggest, fattest electric motor you can get because nobody ever complained about having too much trolling motor. Well, you know, I want to get back to the size of the motor. You hit it so much on the head. It's, it was a common practice by dealers in the last two, three decades to have sale boats that were on sale at an extremely attractive price till you looked at the package and found out 
they had an 18-foot boat with a 50-horse motor. Well, if you bought that, would it work? Sure. But would you be sorely disappointed in the performance and what it did? Of course you would. And it costs a little bit more money to get the right motor, but the right motor also maintains the value more than the boat itself does, Chad. Absolutely. The only Ranger boat that I ever had a really hard time selling was the one that I bought that had a 225 when it was rated for 250s, and I couldn't give that thing away. So it hurt my resale for sure. So whenever the boat's rated for, put that on there. If you can't afford it, maybe look at a different boat because getting the getting the right boat with the wrong motor is almost worse than the other way around. So I would for sure be prepared for that. Uh, the other thing I would look at really hard is is when I when I talk about my use, like really hard look at my use. There's uh, there's automatically. Um, things that are certain characteristics of certain boats. So if I'm going to troll with a boat, I want a completely different boat than a bass boat. If I'm just going to bob around with my family and we're going to ski some and fish some, well, that's a different boat as well in terms of maybe configuration of the boat. And then a big giant question, at least amongst anglers, is do I want fiberglass or aluminum? And each has their advantages. These days, there's been a big trend back for aluminum boats. I will tell you this, that the price gap has, has particularly in the walleye-style boats, uh, has been narrowed substantially. The, the uh, aluminum boats are not as, as much cheaper than uh, fiberglass boats as they were before, but they are still a little bit lighter to tow, uh, and, and also they require less power for a given speed. So there is that as well. Uh, but for me, I'm still a glass boat guy. I like the way they handle in the waves and the wind. I like the way they look and the general fit and finish. And, uh, and so, but that's a question people have to, to discuss as well is, you know, do I want an aluminum boat or a fiberglass boat? I can get either one. It'll do basically the same thing, but they won't do it the same way. Well, I think I want to make a couple comments here. One, I want to go back to the fact that buying a boat that's laid out for what you really want to do, you have to be honest, you know. Are you buying a boat that you really want to fish out of, but because you know the family's not going to go along with the purchase unless you buy a, a fish and ski type boat, very difficult. There's only a couple. Ranger makes one. Uh, Lund makes a couple. There are very few fish and ski boats or fish and pleasure boats that work for both. And you really have to address the fishing part first if you really want a fishing boat. Because if you take a ski type boat and just throw a trolling motor on it, you're going to be so disappointed by the lack of storage, the lack of accessories, the lack of way it performs when you're fishing. And so I think that's just a tremendous, tremendous thing you need to look at. And then the other thing is I think you want to buy whatever boat you're getting from a dealer that's versed in your type of activity. You and I buy fishing boats, but a lot of times the accessories, the electronics, you mentioned the trolling motor, rod holders. If you're going to troll, do you want a kicker motor or do you want a bass boat with big casting platforms? And then maybe you want, don't want rod holders, but you want rod tie-downs. How that boat is laid out with accessories and storage can also be critical, Chad. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I've seen over the years here along those lines is guys that come in thinking, okay, I'm going to buy this this family, you know, fishing, my family's going to go and it's going to be great. And what I hear is one of two things, either the family isn't going to go like the guy thought that was going to happen and it didn't, they went once or twice and didn't, or the other way around, the guy's like, well, I thought I was going to only get a fishing boat. My family wants to go all the time. So your comment about being honest with yourself, being in depth with yourself and your family, uh, is really important as well, because 
it seems like I've seen that one commonly where guys, you know, one way or the other, either the family won't go or the family goes more than they wanted. And the original decision was made uh, with the with the erroneous information. So be honest with yourself about that, uh, of what your use is really going to be. And, uh, and put your ego aside when buying the boat, too. I mean, we all want the biggest, baddest, fastest boat. But if it doesn't fit in your garage, well, that might be an issue as well. So storage is the other thing. I want to bring out for people because a lot of HOAs don't allow you to park them in view. Uh, a lot of them don't fit in garages, although most high-quality boats these days have breakaway tongues on the trailer, which shortens them up about three feet, which helps. But where you're going to store that boat and what you're going to tow that boat with are also very important because if you're driving a, a, a you know a mid-sized pickup, not a full-size pickup, well, that's going to definitely limit what I'm willing to tow, especially in the mountains of Colorado. If the boat weighs as much as your truck, that's not a good sign. So uh, you know you need to be honest with yourself about what you're going to tow it with and where you're going to store it as well. Yeah, I want to get back to how you started this. If you really look at how you're going to use the boat, even if you get a little less boat than maybe you would like, as long as it's laid out for your activities and that boat has as much power on it as you can be, you're probably going to end up with a deal that you will use, and then you'll be so much more ahead of the game if you do decide to upgrade. Yeah, for sure. Get the bones first, right? We, we've talked about that in the past. I can, I can upgrade electronics. I can upgrade accessories over time, but I need to get the fundamental layout and power of the boat uh, very important. And also, if you're going to finance the boat, the, the – by doing all that up front, then that obviously keeps your, you know, your cost going forward down. If you're going to buy a new boat, uh, to be able to get the motor and, uh, and also the big trolling motor rolled into it. And the trolling motor is something that, yes, you can upgrade it, but these days a, a high quality trolling motor on a Ranger boat these days is pushing 3000 bucks for the trolling motor alone, 2,500 bucks. And so it's something that I'm going to want to put into the purchase of the boat, if at all possible. Uh, at the same time, because really we're going to spend more time on the trolling motor than we're going to spend on the big motor in most lakes in Colorado. Without question. Chad, we have to run. We're out of time. But how, when are you going to be there if people want to just stop by and talk to you? Well, myself and Dan Swanson, official guy Dan Swanson, electronic scooter, are down here till about 6 today. And depending on how it goes, we may or may not be back in the morning. We're going to kind of see how crowded and busy it gets. We've got some other stuff lined up for tomorrow. But we will for sure be here until about 6 today. DenverBoatShow.com if people want to get information on it. And the Crowley Marine crew will be here open to close all three days. They're here with uh, with Rangers. They're here with Lunds, a bunch of pontoon boats. And also brand new, uh, just a brand new announcement, Triton boats will now be carried by uh, Crowley Marine going forward as well. So that's the newest boat dealer brand in Denver, and they will be at Crowley Marine with all the rest of the fishing boats. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Have a good time. Thanks very much, Terry. You have a great day. You bet. Chad Lachance, Fishful Thinker. His television shows are on. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear and 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Um, a couple quick things I want to make sure you follow up. Front range ice, there are opportunities, but with the changing weather, make sure you follow every safety precaution. Uh, there's some good chances to catch fish, but you just got to really be careful when you're out there. Mountain ice is really firming up. We're seeing they're even driving cars on Lake John, but there's snow and slush on some of the lakes. So while the ice is probably safe, 
there's opportunity to get stuck. So make sure that as you're moving around and there's a ton of fly fishing opportunities going on right now. I am going to take the interviews we did during the course and I will post them on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because there's a lot of immediate advice advice that will get you out on the ice, on the water, or fly fishing that will really help you out. And you can get out and enjoy it, even with the nice warm weather we got coming. So we're going to get those posted. You should follow us on Facebook anyway. That's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We do post a lot of our podcasts. We talk about when we put new videos on our YouTube channel. And by the way, our YouTube channel has a ton of local ice fishing videos on it. And we even have a link to our music entity, Wickstrom and Dobrith, which just released our EP, which if you're listening, heard some of the songs from on our Facebook channel. And they have their own uh, Facebook page, Wickstrom and Dobrith. Now, is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio? Good morning, Coach. Good morning. Hey, uh, Sean Brennan was amazed that I was your coach when we went to a state championship. He, he, you know, Sean thinks he's been around, but we'll put him in his place. Yes. Hey, I do have... What I want to get to for you, I have the burning question for me, and I'm sure you're going to address it today. The two major questions that need to be answered for the Broncos are the head coach and a serviceable quarterback. I think long-term... Very serviceable? Well, just let me finish. I think long-term, the head coach is going to have the greater impact on the team. Short-term, having a quarterback that can run whatever offense he wants to run immediately will give the most immediate results. Where do you put the emphasis? They have to get a franchise quarterback for the long term. That's how you win in this league. They have to, and they have to have some sense of urgency for it. And that was John Elway's greatest flaw. For everything else, that was his greatest flaw. That was why he was a great GM when he got Peyton Manning in here. And that's where he fell so short and, tur- and and drove this franchise into the ditch where they're currently sitting in their worst stretch in the team's NFL franchise history. It's all about the quarterback now. He's They've got to figure that get out. A, if we get a new head coach in here and we mortgage everything to get some kind of quarterback or make a mistake on that quarterback, that coach is – you're going to put him in a tough spot. Well, you have to, you have to, you have to hit on the quarterback – but name a coach that's won without a quarterback. It just doesn't happen. Harbaugh. He won without a quarterback. I mean, he got to a Super Bowl without one, without a good one. I, I concur. But, you know, you know. Oh, that's right. He yeah. wasn't He wasn't the coach when they won with, uh, that was uh, the old offensive coordinator from the Vikings or defensive that won the Baltimore one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no. Hey, by the way, do I get like a backstage pass and a VIP pass when uh, Terry and the Rattlers, you know, break out with the new album it's, and you start it's, touring? It's 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 Wickstrom and Dobrith, and you pay double. Oh, come on, man! If you'd asked nicely and not put in the funny name, you probably would. But now <laughs> you don't. Now you don't even get a free CD. Come in on, fact, man! Spotify and Apple are going to charge you more to stream them. Oh, no, that's not right. Uh, I've been around forever, man. <laughs> Yes, you have, and of course we would take care of you. All right, I'll close this up so you can talk some sports. Sounds good, man. Thanks, Terry. All right, Dan Jacobs. We go back a long time, Dan and I. And what Dan's talking about, uh, Wickstrom and Dobrith, our musical entity, 
has just released a, an EP that's a four-song country-slash-folk-type music that we're kind of proud of. You can listen to it on any streaming service. Just go to your service and stream, and search Wickstrom and Dobrith, or go to Carrie Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and there's a link to both the Facebook and Twitter accounts for Wickstrom and Dobrith, and you can stream it almost anywhere. And we want you to follow this show anyway. We're going to let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and more sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.